As I say, even after nearly 10 years, we're still having a look at what the benefits are. Our listeners tell us that one of the, the main benefits for them is better sound. Now, of course, that depends on the bit rate that the broadcaster chooses to use. One of our uh, big FM stations run by the public service broadcaster is called Classic FM, and they run at 92 kilobits a second. Now, the rest of us in commercial land run at 48 kilobits per second. So that allows us to do more uh, new content, more diverse stations in the same amount of bitrate. But our listeners tell us that they have a vastly better radio experience with DAB Plus than analogue. They say they like the better sound. They like the on-screen information where they have, of course, a radio with a screen and the better, more intuitive experience in accessing radio itself. Now, when our audiences, particularly our younger listeners, are coming from the latest mobile phone or voice-activated gadget, it can create a gap in perceptions of radio if you have to pick up an analogue radio and fiddle around with a dial or even buttons, trying to find, say, a number, 98.7 or 102.9, just to tune in. Live radio has to be seen as contemporary, dynamic and exciting. And digital radio gives us the opportunity to actually reflect that reality. And of course, listeners like the fact that they have more stations to choose from. They like the fact that their favourite radio network or favourite radio station is now providing them with more of the same, but perhaps in a more niche format. Now, I guess the question is too, why did Australian commercial radio broadcasters choose DAB and not other standards? Well, we had a look at all the standards. We looked at IBOC, we looked at DRM, we looked at, I'm trying to think of another one, oh, ISDB-T, which was a Japanese standard around for a while, and we looked at DAB+. What prompted commercial broadcasters, and in Australia, commercial radio commands 80% of all radio listening. So we are the biggest sector. If if anything is going to work in radio in Australia, the commercial sector has to drive it, which is what we've done with DAB+. Um, why not choose a second standard as well? What are we going to do about our more remote areas? Well, we'll worry about those when we've rolled out DAB+. One of our key tenets was don't confuse the market. Don't confuse the stakeholders. Don't be telling people what if, maybe, when. We didn't use any words like that. We said we are rolling out DAB+, to the major population centres in this country, and we will roll it out to population centres of 5,000 and above, or licensed areas of 5,000 and above. Once we've completed that rollout, we will look at what other standards are around to suit the more remote areas of Australia. And it may well be that we will look to satellite, it may well be we will, we will leave AM on air in some of those more remote areas because it's got such great coverage. So. We had a very clear message to our government, to car manufacturers, to receiver manufacturers. Our standard is DAB+. We had a clear message to retailers. Our standard is DAB+. We had a clear message to listeners, DAB+. So when you're going out to get onto the new technology, you don't have to worry about competing standards or different types of receivers because in the main population centres and even in the main what we call regional areas or outback areas, it will be DAB+. One thing we were, as I say, and I'll say it again, you have to be very clear that you do not confuse the market and have people saying, oh, well, I don't know what they're doing. They're talking about two or three different standards. In our experience, you need to pick a standard and stick with it. 
at least until you've covered all your main population centres. And then you say, OK, where do we go from here? But don't lock into anything too early, because in 10 years' time, you don't know what else is around the corner or what might be suitable. Um, and don't, let's not forget the old VHF and beta video battle. Back when I was a child and my parents bought a beta, being told that it was a great standard, and then five years down the track, everyone was buying VHF because it was the easiest, it was the cheapest. You had very cheap VHF video recorders available in Australia. Beta was more expensive and there weren't that many of them. So I think, I think you need to be very careful about the message that you're sending to the market. And we were certainly, being commercial broadcasters, we of course were very careful about that in Australia. Now, thanks to DAB+, the number of stations in Sydney has exploded. I know that will make some people worry and wary and be going, oh, no, 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 that's not what we want. Actually, it is what you want if you can control the agenda, and I'll get to that in a moment. Um, in Sydney, for example, we had 18 AM and FM radio stations. Today, we've got 50 in our major capital city. The biggest impact our broadcasters have found is that they have been freed from the handcuffs of the crowded AM and FM band, where if you had one frequency, you could do one thing. If you had two frequencies, you could do two things. DAB Plus, you can do three or four different things, or some sub-genres to cater to your audience. And as I said earlier, keep them listening longer. Our broadcasters now have the capacity to launch new stations quickly and cheaply to test them out. If they don't work, you can take them down. Can't do that with AM and FM. This has enabled them to experiment with new formats, develop new content, find new business partners, which has been key to commercial uptake of DAB+, appeal to niche markets and create pop-up stations, short-term stations for special events. I'll come back to some of the success stories later, but I want to first touch on, as I said earlier, the policy settings that you need and key, fac key factors that encourage commercial broadcasters to go DAB+, or even to think about going digital. Um, the radio industry came to realise that it, if it didn't go digital in a broadcast sense, not just in a streaming sense, but in a broadcast sense, and take up the extra broadcast spectrum, and let's not forget, spectrum, spectrum, spectrum. Spectrum is valuable. It's like gold. It's a superpower for broadcasters. So if you're able to get extra broadcast spectrum, why would you say no? Why would you consign yourself to an analogue backwater? Not really sure about that. It took our broadcasters a few years to come to that realisation. It actually took a new player coming into our market and saying to our government, hey, the radio industry is not interested in DAB+, so let us set it up and we'll control it. Straight away, my broadcasters, my commercial radio CEOs said, no, we're not having anyone else controlling our future, even though it's going to cost us money up front. So we live in a world of ever-expanding choices. And as we finally decided, if we don't give our listeners more choice, new players will, and they are already online. So we need to compete with that, not only online, but in a broadcast sense, in a podcast sense. I'm doing a, a session later in the week on Radio Alive Everywhere, and there I'm talking not so much about digital, but about all the other things we're doing in Australia to make ourselves multi-platform. So the industry decided to control its own future and take not a two-year view or a three-year view or a four-year view, but to take a 10 to 20-year view. So we then look to the public service broadcasters, ABC and SBS, who control about 20% of the audience. Um, and we worked with them to take an all-of-industry approach to government to say, hey, we've now decided we'd all like to do this. 
And the government said, why? And we said, well, we believe it's our future. It's not our future in five years, we know that, but it's our future long term. And I often then would um, hark back to a story that one of our older broadcasters told us about AM and FM. In Australia, we didn't get FM until the late 70s. Now, everyone was on AM. You know, we had top 40 stations, we had, you know, very well-known DJs, and it was all fabulous. Um, then the government said, OK, I'm, we're going to give you... Like, in Australia, we got, for, we got our um, DAB plus spectrum for nothing. But the government said to the AMers back then, we're going to give you FM spectrum. Half of them said no. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. More competition, we don't want that. Um, does it mean that people will buy a new radio? No, they'll never buy a new radio. Oh, no, they're rusted on to, to you know, to UW, whatever that frequency is, an AM frequency. So as a result, half of our broadcasters in Australia are still on the AM dial. And they often hark back to that and say, why? And we got a whole lot of new competitors came in because the government said, you don't want it, we'll give it to someone else. And that's... That's a lesson for the ages, I think, for radio broadcasters in particular, who tend to be very short-term and very blinkered in their views, in my experience. And, and I say that with all the love in the world, because I love my uh, radio broadcast members. So the commercial industry then got together and said, OK, what do we want from the government to enable us to go DAB plus with confidence, to enable us to invest and take a risk? Because that's what we're doing on this new technology. What we got them to, to agree to were Free spectrum for each existing commercial broadcaster. So each existing commercial station, whether it's AM or FM, received one-ninth of a multiplex, or 128 kilobits. And the right to keep the AM and FM spectrum. Plus the option to bid for an extra one-ninth of a multiplex if there was any multiplex left over. So everybody got their one-ninth, or 128 kilobits, per existing station on the multiplex. If we had spare spectrum left over in a city, in some we didn't, in some we did, then the existing broadcasters only were allowed to bid for that spectrum up to another one-ninth per existing station. No restriction on the use of the spectrum or format restrictions so that we could experiment and innovate content and try new programming. And more importantly for us as commercial broadcasters, no new competitors and no new DAB Plus licences for at least six years under a use it or lose it rule. So the government said, all right, we'll give you that, uh, but you have to use it, you have to promote it. One of the conditions of getting the spectrum for nothing was that we had to run promotional campaigns, which we would have done anyway, but um, it, it was good to use as a bit of a stick with the broadcasters as well. But we said to the government, it's important to protect the commercial investment while broadcasters are carrying costs for both the analogue and digital broadcasts. Yes, it's an extra cost, of course it is. But you've got to invest in the future. One of our more negative members said, this is defensive investment. Others were going, this is offensive investment. We're moving forward, we're moving into the digital age. One of the older members said, well, I see it as necessary investment, but it's defensive as well to defend our position. Uh, but the government agreed that we did need encouragement to invest in the development and the promotion. In Australia, joint venture companies were also set up by existing broadcasters in each area to own and operate the multiplexes and share the costs. So you can see here how the broadcasters retained control of every facet. We said to government, we don't want a third party having the digital licence, the licence for the spectrum, because it's, we have the licence for our own spectrum now. So we want to have digital licences. We might... Um, contract out the actual running of the multiplexes, uh, which we have, but 
we want the right to hold that license because we don't want to be separated. We don't want a gatekeeper between ourselves and our spectrum and essentially what we can do with our audiences. So we're a pretty big country, Australia. We're as big as uh, North America without Alaska. So we decided on a phased approach, which is the five major capital cities first. Straight away, we've covered 64% of the population. By starting at our largest population centres, we got the biggest bang for our buck, I guess. And it made it easy to market because we marketed across the five centres. We then set up trials in Canberra and Darwin, and we're now about to convert those to permanent services, and we're launching in Hobart, which is in Tasmania. We've also identified another 15 regional centres for rollout in the next three to five years, and that'll take us to over 80% population coverage. DAB Plus has improved radio services in many ways in Australia. But one of the best ways, it's, it's allowed us to think outside the box. It's allowed experimentation. So we have stations that have been set up for kids, stations that have been set up for supermarkets. Talk about listening, uh, looking for new business partners. That's one of the areas where we found new investment, not coming from within radio, but from sponsors. So just moving on. Uh, an example of the new content is Kindling Radio, which provides radio for children and their parents. The, ch the age group targeted is zero to six, so it's preschool. So educational programs, music for different times of the day, and chat shows offering parenting, parental advice. Kindling has partnered with a leading childcare provider to introduce a new play and learn program into 24 early childhood centres. Now, this is just a pilot. I don't know whether there's concern here, but there certainly is in Australia, at the amount of time kids are spending on a screen and not developing other skills, socialisation skills, play skills, auditory skills. So this is a project which aims to introduce the kids to the idea of actually listening to a story and responding to auditory cues. Um, so far, it's gaining listeners at a rate of knots because it can be heard everywhere else, of course, but they have this special programming. This is a completely new format for radio in Australia. We've never had children's radio before. And interestingly enough, and annoyingly, uh, Kindling is a commercial DAB Plus only radio station. About two years after Kindling launched, it's now starting to be very successful. Our public service broadcaster has decided to launch a children's um, station as well. So uh, interestingly enough, our ABC is being reviewed at the moment, so we've put in a submission saying, if we find a successful commercial format, why are they copying it? That's not their charter. Anyway, that's another issue I think that we all have to deal with. Uh, another area that's ripe is foreign language stations. Uh, or not foreign language, but languages other than English. Um, Australia is a very, very, very multicultural country. We've got people from all over the world, and they want to hear news, music, free to air. Don't forget radio is free to air. So Rhythmos is a commercial station in Melbourne aimed at the Greek community. SBS Radio has also introduced Asian, Arabic and Indian music stations and additional talk and news programs in other languages. There are programs specifically on DAB Plus only stations to support migrant communities, including settlement information, um, welfare support and community updates. So DAB Plus helps broadcasters add more value to the local communities they serve by being able to set up stations that suit that particular community and further differentiate themselves, which we have to do, from global streaming services. Another area that our, is a very successful area is the retail and business partnerships that some of our members have set up. 
DAB creates those opportunities for radio to partner with businesses. One of the most successful DAB Plus stations in Australia, just in terms of general listening over the airwaves, audience figures, is Coles Radio. Now, Coles is a big supermarket chain, but the music is really good on it, so people listen to it for the music. But it's broadcast in every Coles store throughout Australia. It's a partnership between one of our large music networks, Nova Entertainment, and our largest supermarket group. It's one of the highest rating DAB Plus stations and it's actually in 700, broadcast in 700 coal stores. So it enhances the shopping experience and allows radio to do what it do, does best, uh, a prompt to purchase right at the point of purchase. Chemist Warehouse Remix is another retailer, it's a pharmacy chain that plays in pharmacies chemist warehouse pharmacies, creating an opportunity for advertising at the point of purchase. Now, these are all very commercial opportunities, but they all help support the cost of DAB Plus while you're still doing AM and FM. And there, also, there is also talk that another network may do a fitness station, whereby they can play different sorts of fitness music that then can be played in one of the many fitness chains around Australia. Another area for innovation is a short-term pop-up station. We always show Elf Radio because it's one of the most popular when it's on air in Australia. It's broadcast over DAB Plus and it plays only festive music. Now, some people say it drives me nuts because that's all the kids want to listen to at home or in the car, but at least we know it's safe. Um, and they, play, they start six weeks before Christmas, there's a lot of Christmas carols and uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and they, they then continue to play sort of holiday music until about mid-January when the station winds down again. But their listening figures have grown every year. When we talk about brand extension, and you heard about Absolute Radio, one of our largest radio networks, Southern Cross Stereo, has recently adopted, after many years of experimentation, the same sort of strategy, a strategy of brand extension. So it's aligning all its digital stations under its two key FM networks. Under the hit network, it has easy hits for feel-good favourites, Buddha hits, which is chill-out station, and old-school hits, which is 80s and 90s music. Um, under its Triple M, which is a rock brand, it offers four additional DAB Plus formats. Triple M Modern for alternative rock, classic rock, greatest hits from the 60s and 70s, and Triple M Country, country rock, I think. Um, so these brand extensions continue to build strength around the key network brands. So you're still branding it with your own network, but you're giving your listeners something different to listen to if they don't want to listen to your main brand. So you can see there are lots and lots of ways that commercial broadcasters in Australia have used the extra spectrum. And I think it's taken us a few years to work out how we can best use it and what formats suit different audiences and what business partnerships may work. Um, but, you know, we always say, as we did from the UK, you need to learn from the people that have gone before and have made mistakes. So with the adoption of DAB Plus increasing and beginning to reach critical mass, I know that's very hard to read there. <laughs> I'm sure these slides will be provided to you. It was clear that we needed to quantify the size of the audience. So for a long time, we didn't even talk about the DAB Plus only stations audiences. It was a, it's like a family secret. Everyone was saying, oh, you know, the audiences aren't that big. We've only got 200,000 people listening to that one. And oh, that's terrible. Then we looked at our friends in television and their marketing audiences of 50,000 and monetizing them with their extra digital channels. So we said to ourselves, radio needs to get that chip off its shoulder, 
stop going, oh, radio can't possibly do this, radio shouldn't be out there talking about an audience of two, that's not a very big audience. You know what? There are advertisers that would like to target that audience of 200,000 who are listening to 80s hits, because that's a certain demographic. So we finally persuaded the broadcasters to release figures on the DAB Plus only, because we'd always, we, we survey eight times a year, and we release figures on the main stations, AM and FM, on the analogue stations, which include any list, listening, <laughs> sorry, via DAB Plus. Um, this year, we actually, at the start, we just released global figures because we were also very scared of what might happen. Uh, but this year, we started releasing actual figures at each survey release with the main station releases. And what we've heard from agencies is, at last, now I can buy a whole network knowing what you've got. Now I see your accumulated audiences. And we, we actually see that, yeah, there's 80,000 people listening to a country station. I can buy that audience because that's an audience I haven't been able to access before. Now, just an example of the SCA aggregated audience reach. Using the data now, Southern Cross is aggressively demonstrating that with its DAB Plus only stations, its total audience reach has, has increased to 5.3 million. Now, this is in just since we started releasing these figures uh, this year, in January, January this year, an increase of nearly 7%. 4.6 million people listen via FM only. 344,000 of their listeners listen to both FM and DAB+. And 335,000 listen exclusively to their stations via DAB+. So they're pretty interesting stats that they're now taking out to advertisers and saying, our audience is growing through DAB+. We have these extra channels. It allows them to gain incremental revenue growth and they're able to increase the advertising premium they charge now for the extra audience they're now reaching. They've been quoted as saying, since we've been producing these figures since the beginning of this year, their advertising revenue has grown by about 15%. Because agencies are now saying, I can run this through my radio analysis software and see who I can reach and where. And I didn't know you had an extra 50,000 listeners in Melbourne that were listening to Rhythmos Greek. Now I do, now I can buy them. That's great, thanks very much for letting me know. Um, they don't need to undertake the additional sell for advertising on DAB Plus stations. They've decided it's automatically included in every uh, client's advertising campaign, but at a premium, and the clients are paying it. So where to next? We know a high share of radio listening takes place in cars. Digital radio is now standard in 50% of all new cars sold in Australia. We've received great support from car manufacturers. We used to hold workshops for them in the early, very early days where we'd fit out a Hummer and we'd drive it around each of the capital cities, switching between AM, FM and DAB+. So the car manufacturer tech, head of tech, technology could see what the difference would mean in their car. Now, that cost a lot of money, but it was worth it. Uh, we've re, as I say, we've now got DAB Plus available in 42 different vehicle brands in Australia, including the major sellers for us of Toyota, Hyundai and Mazda, but as well, you know, BMW, Porsche, all of those guys have got it in as well. Uh, with the march of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto into car entertainment systems, DAB Plus gives radio a stronger platform for innovation. We're working with car manufacturers to further enhance the way DAB Plus and hybrid radio will look and will work in cars in the future. It has to be the same experience as they get from an app. They have to be able to choose your station on DAB Plus as easily. They, don't, they shouldn't have to be finding 104.1 Today FM in Sydney. 
Consumers expect more, they want radio to be available on every device, and they want more personalised services and interactivity. Through hybrid radio, which you've heard about, DAB Plus and the internet work perfectly hand-in-hand. Hand. We in Australia see a multi-platform future for radio, with the backbone being broadcast, and being broadcast into the foreseeable future. Um, because broadcast is reliable, it's free. When we talk to emergency services organisations, we do a lot of work with them in Australia, because we have MOUs with them all, um, they say, we have been talking to car manufacturers about not taking broadcast radio out of cars and relying on streaming because it's not reliable enough for emergency services. Now, when we talk to car manufacturers and say, well, we never hear you talking about radio in cars, DAB Plus, yes, but AM, FM, DAB Plus, you're always talking about connected car. What does that mean? And they say, oh, broadcast radio is not sexy, so we don't talk about that, but we'd never take it out. Because if we take it out, then that reliable um, emergency services message channel is gone, and we can't afford to have that happen to our drivers. Now, the fact that we believe it's multi-platform is evidenced by the fact we've got one industry radio app. Now, only about 10% of all listening to radio in Australia is via streaming or via app. Sometimes a little bit higher, depending on the, on the station. Most of the listening is via broadcast. 30% of listening in the five major capital cities is now via DAB+. They're a DAB Plus device. We joined together and formed an industry app called Radio App. Again, it's all about accessibility. It's not replacing broadcast radio. So, as I said, I've got one minute to go. Uh, radio stations are no longer just radio broadcasters. We're also brand merchants. We're content providers. We're multi-platform entertainment companies. But at the base of it all, it is a broadcast technology that will carry us into the future. Now, maybe 30 years from now, we won't need broadcast. I, you know, people have been talking about the demise of broadcast now for probably 20 years, since the internet came around. Um, but I think DAB Plus, combined with the internet via hybrid radio, will enable the interactivity that our listeners want, but the reliability of receiving the information via broadcast where they can. Now, just in conclusion, we've just had PricewaterhouseCoopers do an Entertainment and Media Outlook 2018-2022. One of the factors they pointed to in the resilience and ongoing longevity of radio was... They talked about podcasts, they talked about streaming, but they also talked about DAB+. So with that being said, I would say radio has a very healthy future and DAB+, will be part of that future. Thank you. Thanks very much. With uh, a radio professional's exquisite sense of timing. Brought it in exactly at the right moment. Um, there are a couple of questions. Yes, Nick. Hi there. Um, with the run of network cell, that seems to be the advantage of being able to, like the triple M example, you're selling the FM brand, but you're also approaching advertisers for an aggregated sell across all those other channels. What what other innovations have the Australian broadcasters done in terms of on the sell, on the on the planning side and on the uh, trafficking and scheduling side? Because that means, uh, for example, that, that now you're selling run of network advertising. You, it, it, you know, programmatic isn't quite yet a thing in traditional radio. 
yet, but you know, has there been advances in the, in the planning software and in order to be able to do that, or is that still a very manual process to book those ads? Oh, well, it's funny that you should ask me that, because we have just got to the end of phase one of our automated holdings project which will enable, and that's just automation of the holdings for radio networks, but it cuts down on uh, the manual input by agencies and direct clients and ourselves of booking for whatever. We're now including podcasting and, and simulcast in that as well. Our next phase will take us to, so that's done, and that's out in, we've got every agency, every commercial radio station in Australia is using that system. So that's automated holdings, step one. We're the only industry in Australia that's done that. It's one, uh, it's, it's like a, an API that everybody can plug into, so you don't have to change your systems. Uh, our next phase is doing an electronic booking module for agencies, a direct module for the large direct clients, because we all know that it, in every jurisdiction there are large direct clients that will buy their own radio. Uh, and then we have a, a, a mini holdings, which is where one network sells for another in a, in a particular region. At the end of July next year, we're going to be, we'll have a programmatic ready API. So we're not at programmatic yet. That is a fair way away. July next year, we're going to be ready for friends and family tests with friendly agencies uh, of a programmatic API. But we intend to set the rules for that. We, we don't believe at this stage that all radio inventory will, be, will or can be sold um, programmatically or we may not want to sell it programmatically. Promotions, you know, live reads, all of those things. And our premium inventory, we may never put that in a programmatic trading site, but we might. So by July next year, we'll be ready to test that. So yes, we're we've, we've, um, automating our radio bookings as we speak for DAB Plus as well. Thanks. Over there. Hi, um, I've got two questions. The first one is, has it changed the internal alignment of the broadcaster? For example, has it changed the management structure, focus and strategy now that they have DAB Plus uh, that's been so well established? And secondly, does it allow you to know your audience at granular level instead of demographic? Well, I couldn't hear. What was the first question? Um, has it changed the, um, the internal alignment of the organisation of broadcasters? Look, I think most networks and stations these days, well, certainly regional stations, have long had people doing many jobs. I think what's happened with digital, with, with podcasting, with digital, like online, and with DAB Plus and analog, is now we're seeing multidisciplinary teams. Once upon a time in Australia, sounds like a story, um, there were digital teams. And all they did was look at online. And there were DAB plus teams, and there were just, then there were the content teams who worried about AM and FM. All of that's now coming into multidisciplinary teams because people realise that digital on its own, like online on its own, is not a moneymaker. Even if you have addressable advertising, there's so few people in the whole audience listening. 10% of your audience, oh, I can serve an ad to Joe Blow for a coffee machine. Well, uh, advertiser says, well, I'm not paying for that. That's one person. Five people, ten people don't care. So we're not at that stage with addressable advertising yet. And I've gone off on a tangent, I'm sorry, which is why I have notes. Um, yes, the way networks are, uh, have internal uh, teams now, the sales teams are selling everything. They're not just selling one station. They're not just selling digital, whereas they were in separate teams in the past. And the same with the content producers. Um, with regard to audience, can you get to know your audience at, as, at granular level, or is it, is it still based on demographic? Well, we're still based... Uh, again, that leads me on to something else, which is not so much 
DAV+, plus, but <coughs> we do eight surveys a year, so we have demographics. However, we've got GFK at the moment, who's our survey provider, working on what we, we're calling a measurement improvement project. And we hope by October, November this year, we'll be announcing as a whole industry that we'll be moving to a hybrid system of measurement where the diaries will still form the basis because the, uh, validity-wise, they're the most valid and robust and reliable. We've been doing tests on apps in mobile phones. We've been doing tests on the wristwatches. Um, we also want to start pulling in some of the streaming data where you can get much more granular with your audience, DAB plus audience and AM and FM audience because we simulcast all our AM, FM and DAB Plus online. So we've got a major project at the moment which we're hoping to make a roadmap announcement about in uh, October, November as to where we'll be going with our measurements so we can provide much more granular in uh, information, but maybe not at the same time as we release the eight, eight results. It might be on top of that, it might be at the same time, it might be some qualitative information that we release at a, on a different time frame. We don't know yet. Uh, we're waiting, we're doing a super pilot in Australia as we speak. Um, and so, as I say, we're hoping to make some big announcements about that towards the end of the year as an industry. Thank you. Um, Mike. Thank you. It's Mike Kluniger again. You are also saying you are podcasting and streaming which we are already doing in South Africa as well, although our stream has got a lot of buffing to do as well. Tell me, is it generating its own revenue, the podcasting and streaming, or is it uh, reliant on the... That's a tricky question. <coughs> because, um, you know, everybody's very excited about podcasting. Aren't we all excited about podcasting? Yeah. I know I am. I don't listen to podcasts, but I should be. Um, our share of ear and our uh, infinite dial studies, which we do every year, show that podcasting is still quite low in Australia, as well as in the UK and the US. It's not taking off in a big way. You get people who are heavy podcast users. Our problem at the moment with monetizing podcasting, and you can monetize it, but now agencies are saying to us, okay, we want more granular data on whether the podcasts are being listened to. Now, if someone's listening live to a podcast or download, uh, listening as they're downloading it, then you can get that data. But if people are downloading and listening later, then you don't know how many people... You know, just downloading a podcast, our, our clients are now saying, yeah, it's not really enough information for us. So we also have a digital measurement project underway as an industry. We put out a request for proposals, and that will be looking at how we report to agencies and other big clients on podcasting, what are the right podcast metrics for radio to be using, uh, how we report on social engagement, so off-platform with our assets, and how we also report on uh, our listeners' interaction with our websites. So that will take in, you know, it's a little bit off the, sorry, a little bit off the DAV plus, but, but, you know, what we're finding is we're running four or five or six major projects and it encompasses everything. So, yeah, podcasting is hard to monetize at the moment and it, because it's hard to measure. Okay. I think that was very interesting and, and um, informative. What were the things we invested in? Oh, the money, the money that we invest, I mean, the content, I won't say it costs nothing, but if you've got a whole lot of content providers or content creators already in your station or in your, uh, in your network, 
providing content and dreaming up new ideas of what to offer is not hard. In fact, you probably have too many people with too many ideas for DAB+. Uh, the money, the upfront money went to the transmission because we had to buy transmitters, we had to buy multiplexes, uh, and we had to do, buy studio muxes. Now, that being said, and it costs a lot of money because we did what, what uh, the CEOs called rolled gold in the metros. We're not doing the same in regionals. It's much cheaper to roll out DAB Plus these days than it was 10 years ago, I can tell you now. And if we were doing it in Metro now, we'd do it a slightly different way. We'd do it a cheaper way, I think. Um, but that's where the money went. But then because we owned the JVC, we just appreciated that um, and, and recouped some of that money in terms of you know, ongoing OPEX cost. They had paid lower fees because we were recouping depreciation. Does that make sense? Thank you very much.